0: Hi, my name is Hunter Marston. I'm a PhD student at Australian National University and an associate at 9 Line. This week, the Biden administration released its much anticipated Indo-Pacific strategy. Uh, the document on the whole, I think, struck a very positive message, um, despite uh, a few gaps entailed. 12 items in particular struck me and I wanted to share that here. The first is the document starts with the claim the United States is an Indo-Pacific power. This is an important claim that pushes back on Chinese references to the US and other outside powers interfering in the region and refutes that notion explicitly. Secondly, it acknowledges past debates about the temptation to withdraw US military presence from the region after the Cold War, which is an especially relevant point given Trump's recent America first rhetoric. Third, it names China as the primary challenge in the Indo-Pacific and blames China for pursuing a sphere of influence and seeking to become the world's most influential power. I thought that notion was a bit strange because most influential power does not strike me as a particularly negative thing, but it does point to PRC coercion uh, in the Indo-Pacific as the root of the problem, which I think is a more accurate diagnosis. Fourth, the document makes repeated reference to the need for collective efforts and collective action, which stems in part from the realization that the United States is no longer the preeminent power in the world, and it now needs more help from allies and partners to fulfill its global strategy. Fifth, it identifies the US objective with regard to China as not to change the PRC, but to shape its strategic environment in which it operates, building a balance of influence in the world favorable to the United States. Sixth, there's a great deal of the new strategy that is not actually new. In fact, much of it's in line with the Trump administration's free and open Indo-Pacific, especially the parts about autonomy and resilience and freedom from coercion, despite the fact that the document gives the Trump administration short shrift. Seventh, like many recent policy speeches, of Biden administration officials, the document references the Indo-Pacific economic framework, which we are yet to see. Uh, Nothing new on that front here today. The document again tosses out reference to integrated deterrence, although there's still very little detail about what that term means. So why are we using it? Ninth, glad to see many mentions of the urgency of the climate crisis and the need for climate resilience. Uh, in developing countries. This is a major opportunity for the United States to work with partners in the region. Tenth, I thought it was interesting to note the emphasis on US Coast Guard presence over freedom of navigation operations, uh, FANOPs, which perhaps stems from a recognition that FANOPs are a bit controversial, especially among Southeast Asian states who might quietly support them, but see them as rocking the boat with China who they wanna get along with. Uh, Coast Guard presence, by contrast, is more openly supported. Eleventh, the document makes clear that the Biden administration is betting big on India, whom it calls here a like minded partner and leader in South Asia and the Indian Ocean. This is uh, a bit surprising to me personally, because the Biden administration Uh, stands a bit opposed to some of the values uh, that Modi espouses domestically within India, but what this reflects, I think, is a long-term bet on India's importance and relevance to the U.S. um, competition with China and its goals for the region. Finally, the 12th point, I was pleased to see the document reference the non-military components of the Quad, or Quadrilateral Security Dialogue, including vaccine delivery and global public health, emerging technology, supply chain cooperation, and other areas. It also references the possibility for future cooperation between the Quad and the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, uh, which I thought were all good points. Hopefully, there's still a lot more to come, especially on the economic front. To me, that's the one glaring gap of the U.S. Indo-Pacific strategy we have yet to see filled. And the sort of vague references to uh, high-tech digital innovation and cybersecurity um, don't really fill that gap here. And I think Southeast Asian nations and Asian nations more broadly will still be left wanting. Well, thanks for tuning in and following along with my thoughts on the Biden administration's new Indo-Pacific security or Indo-Pacific strategy, rather. Um, I look forward to hearing your feedback and thoughts on my analysis here.